me tell you what's about to come up, and so you can kind of be prepared just in terms of what we're doing in worship. I know you got so much going on. I want you to, to, to be sure to make this a priority and, and really have a sense of, of, of where God's leading us. Um, we are going to do something I've not done in uh, 25 years of ordained ministry, two things in particular. One is uh, we're going to go word by word, verse by verse through the book of Colossians. Uh, out of all the years I've, I've preached, I've never preached through this little book. And so next week we are going to start chapter 1, verse 1. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read Colossians a couple of times uh, and just familiarize yourself with it. Get a sense of the letter. And I'm going to do some background, as I always do, kind of give you some, some insights on it. But I, I want you to go ahead and be reading it so that you have a sense of it. And, and we're going to work our way through Colossians. Now, this year, Easter is as late a day as, as it will ever be in, your, in our calendar year. And following that Easter, we're going to do something that I, I'm embarrassed we've never done um, and we should have been doing a, a lot of this time leading up to now, but we're going to do it this year. You know, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We go big, right? I mean, big time. We celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we go big. It's big time. Do you know what we haven't been doing? We haven't been celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, and that is just as important as, as the coming of Jesus Christ. Christ came that, that we our sin would be atoned for and, and victory over death would be provided. The Spirit of God is the one who gives us the life to believe and seals us until the day of judgment. And it is the birth time of the, the very church of which we were a part of. So this year, after Easter, we're going to take all those weeks leading up to Pentecost to prepare to celebrate Pentecost. We're going to be looking at texts from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it is going to be rich. And we are going to have a party for the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday this year. And I am so, so looking forward to that. Then we're going to go into the summer, and we're going to do a series I wrote about a year and a half ago. I've been waiting for the opportunity to get it in so I can preach it, and, and so I'm just forcing it in, in this year. And what we're going to do this summer, it's called Cures for the Common Soul. And so we're going to look at the things that can tend to sicken our souls and what God's sufficient answer in the gospel is and how we can apply that to our day-to-day -day life. Then we're going to get back into Colossians. Before we know it, it's going to be not so silent night. And then the Christmas Eve service, and then Lord willing, I'll be standing here saying, guess what we're going to do in 2020, right? So it's going to move. It's going to move fast. And so be mindful of what it is we're doing and be mindful of what you're doing with this year. Here we are on the first Sunday of the first year, and you're investing well. You're making a good investment by being here and bringing praise to God and gathering with the church to be fed His Word. And I pray that this will be a normal part of your life. But understand, you're, you're making investments. And you're doing that because you want a specific return. I mean, you think about the, the many who have made New Year's resolutions. There's so many already who, who made resolutions, and they've already broken them. We're, we're in day six, and already, oops, I didn't mean to eat that m and How did that get in my mouth? That's crazy. You know, that's just kind of what happens. But it's, it's interesting when you think about what most people start thinking about this time of year. They start thinking about health. They start thinking about money, time, relationships, and they're... And they're talking about wanting to make specific changes. See, they're wanting to make investments that will create a specific return. And so, just by way of illustration of what we're going to be talking about today, when we're talking about return on investments, you've got to be mindful, you know, of, of things. Like some of you, you're really, you know, you, you did what almost all Americans did. I don't know if you heard the statistic or not, but between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, the average American, and don't show your hands if you did this, gained six pounds. Hello. 
And those are, are no longer wanted by you, and maybe you want to shed a few others. And so your New Year's resolution, i got to get rid of this, i got to, okay, so I, this is free. I'm not even preaching yet. I'm just telling you this. Here's the thing. You're wondering, how do we do Okay, here it is. All right, listen. Eat fewer calories each day than you burn. There you go. You know, you can do the keto, you can do the Atkins, you can do whatever you want. Fewer calories in birth, you'll lose weight. How about that? Invest and get a return. Some of you, you're, it's money. This year, we got to get money. I'm going to give it to you. Here's the solution. Some of you, you, know, you might want to write this down. Again, I'm not preaching yet. I'm just, this is just illustration, investment, and return. Here it is. I know this sounds crazy. Spend less than you make. It's life-changing right there. Right there. That's how you do it. So you're thinking, oh, you know, Tom, we're just so busy. Oh, we're so busy. I was just, please, please, please. Did anyone put a gun to your head and make you do all that stuff? If they have, let me know. We'll call the police. We'll take care of that. Now, I understand you got to work. you got to sleep. There's certain things you have to do. That's just kind of part of this world now. But how many of the things are on your calendar that you put there that, guess what? I know this is going to blow your mind. You can take it off your calendar. You can do it. And guess what you'll do if you do that? More time. It's not even magic. You make the investment in disciplining your time, you get the return. Some of you, I got it. Our marriage's got to be strong. We got to get more time with the kids. We got to invest in these relationships. I know this sounds crazy. I know you're not going to believe me. But if you will give up some other things and put that time and energy into those relationships, they'll get better. I know, right? I'm, I've blown your minds, and you're not even going to probably be able to listen to the message but at this point. But understand what I'm talking about. Investments are made to get a return. This morning, I want you to think about your investments. And I want you to think about the return that you're looking for. What is it you want to get out of this year? It all comes down to our choices. So what are you going to choose to do with 2019? Are you just going to go with the flow and let whatever happens happen? Is that, is that the way you're going to make your investment and seek your return? I, I want to challenge you today to, to look at your life, to think about your health, your time, your relationships, your money. And, and decide how you're going to invest those in 2019. I want to challenge you to make good investments by looking at the returns. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, this morning I'm going to read it just to prove that I can. And, uh, and, and hopefully uh, be able to teach some of this. Let me just tell you right now, just it was so funny in the last sermon, I was preaching, and I was thinking, oh, I should talk about that. Oh, there's no time. I keep looking at the clock and the Bible, the clock and the Bible, and I just, please go back and study this. Let Today, let this message just be a primer for you to go back and, and see some things that, that we just didn't have time to unpack. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Again, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 through 15. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in, in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the, the, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God on you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So what's going on in this text? This is the fourth of, of the letters that Paul wrote to Corinth. We, we have in our Bibles 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We also know there were two other letters that Paul wrote. Uh, they were, they were um, heart letters. They were sad letters. They were angry letters. And what we have in our Bibles are, the, of course, the inspired and errant word of God. And so what we see happening here is Paul is concerned about these Corinthians. Because if you go back and look at 1 Corinthians 16, they had said, hey, we want to be a part of this special offering that's going to be taken to Jerusalem to care for the saints there. They knew about this because the Apostle Paul had planted that church years ago. If you go back in Acts chapter 18, you can read about how Paul planted the church there at Corinth. In Acts 17, how he came out of Athens and was led there and, and met Priscilla and Aquila, two of his best friends, wonderful, godly couple. And, and, and while there established this great congregation who, who are now wanting to be a part of this kingdom work that, that Paul has introduced them to. And Paul's concerned because this church has, has run into some serious problems. This was a complicated church. The church of Corinth reminds me so much of the church here in, 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 in the United States. Um, the, the culture was just a sex-crazed culture. If you go to Athens, um, and some of you have, have, have been able to go there, some of you uh, have, have gone to Southern Europe on some of our trips, and some, and not all, get to go to Corinth. And if you go to Corinth, what you see in Echo Corinth is that this mountain, and above it, there's a temple that was, a, that was completely committed to Aphrodite. So you can imagine what kind of cultic practices that produced for that culture, on top of the fact that it was, it was a port where people were bringing in goods. So there were all kinds of false teachers and philosophies. There were pagan gods. There was, there was a godlessness. It was, it was a filthy, filthy culture. And it's interesting, when you go to Corinth, you actually see all of this. There's so many of the buildings that are still extinct. You can see the, the places where the Jewish temple were. You can actually see the place. There's still the pillar there that, that Paul was threatened to be beaten upon. It's, it's an amazing thing to actually see what Scripture is talking about right before your eyes. So Paul is writing to the church because he's concerned they're distracted. He's concerned that they intended to do well, but now maybe are not ready to do what it is they said that they intended to do. So he's writing to them. And it reminds me so much of many of our lives. We get busy. We're well-intended, and, and we want to do the things that God has commanded us to do. But then life happens. And in that process, we get distracted. And, and rather than stepping up and, and, and seeing through what it is we committed to God, many fail. Especially when it comes to, to being good stewards and responsible to God with what God has got, made us responsible for and what we're going to be held accountable for. You know, this text is talking about giving money. But when we talk about stewardship, we're talking more than just money. We're talking about money, time, and energy. Uh, you understand time, but do you understand energy? Do you understand the limited uh, capacity of that? 
So very important that you do. One of the things I'm doing uh, with a lot of the pastors I coach and leaders that I help is, is helping them understand how important it is that you manage your, your, your mental and your physical and your emotional energy. If you're mentally and physically tired, you can take a nap or you can get a vacation, you can get a good night's sleep. But most of the time, some of those, those reserves will kick up. I'm going to tell you something. If you get yourself emotionally to a place where you have no emotional energy, there's a chance you might not get out of bed. There's a chance you might not leave your house. There's a chance that you may not. Even if you've got the physical and mental energy, you may not be able to step up and go. And it has everything to do with being irresponsible with your life and allowing yourself to, to take on things that your soul has never been to carry. So you've got to be very mindful. You must be a good steward for your own sake, but also for the sake of what God has called you to. And it would be very easy for me this morning to tell you why you ought to invest in God's kingdom. I mean, there's plenty of, 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 of information uh, from God's Word, why we ought to give and we ought to serve and, and we ought to relate well with others. Our conscience, of course, compels us to be very easy for me just to point to the very things that are within your conscience. And, and it was also, it would be very simple for me to say, look at the need, our world needs this. But today I want to take the perspective that I see in the text, which is to say, look what God has done. Let's do it because we desire to. Let's do it because of what God has done for us. Let's do it out of gratitude, out of celebration of, of, of what He's done. Let's do it because there's a compelling why. Because it's worth it in every way. The return is worth the investment. So let me prove it. Let's look at what the text says. First of all, those who invest in God's kingdom, they get God's delight in return. There is nothing like knowing that God is delighted in you. There is nothing that is more powerful in your own soul and heart to know that God says of you, with this one, I am well pleased. And He is well pleased when we cheerfully give. God, God doesn't want us giving just because we have to. God wants us to give because we want to, because it is a delight, because we know who He is and what He has done. And, and, and in that delight, God delights in us. And we make those investments because they are good, they are worthy. That time, that energy, that money is worth it. There's a lot of things you're going to invest your time, energy, and money in this year. But can I tell you, there is nothing greater that you can invest in that will mean more to you, eternally and present day, than God's kingdom work. If you are a member of Living Hope Baptist Church, there is no greater investment that you can make with your life than the kingdom investment in Living Hope. If Living Hope is not your church family, there is no greater investment that you can make than in your own church family for God's glory and in God's kingdom work. You know what's fun to think about here at Living Hope is that, is that we have the opportunity to serve and, and to meet needs that go well beyond our own pews that go into the city and to the world. But but the investments we do make here in one another, they go a long way. You know, this morning uh, I was thinking about people that grew up in this church. I want you to think about right now, there are pastors preaching in, in huge churches that were rocked in the nursery here. There are, there are missionaries overseas today that some of you threatened with a spanking or with something. And those are the best missionaries, by the way. If you're serving in children's area and someone continues to get kicked out, probably going to be your pastor. Probably going to be a missionary. But 
where do you get to make that investment? I mean, it's just amazing. I think about those who serve in children's ministry. Right now, we have a huge need in our children's ministry. And I mean, just say this. If you're not a member of our church, you can't serve in children's ministry. And here's why. Because when you serve in children's ministry, you are teaching the Word of God, and you are displaying a lifestyle that we want to emulate. And so if you, if you don't believe what we believe, and you're not willing to live up to the gospel as, as, as we understand it, you can't, you can't do it. You can cry, but you can't serve. You can't be a part of it. But if you are a member of this church and you're looking for a place to serve, can I tell you, there, there is a glorious opportunity for you to make a huge difference in the kingdom of God. Who knows but the baby you will be rocking? Who knows but the first grader that you're going to be teaching? Who knows but that, that sixth grader who, who is about to get into adolescence, who's got that attitude, is going to be the next missionary that we send out so if you're willing to serve, here's what I want you to do. Contact Marianne Lucas. She's our, our interim director. This is not our home number. It's the office number. I threatened to give her phone home number, but we're not doing that. Uh, that's the email. Just contact her. Just let her know. Say, look, I'm, I'm willing to serve. And here's what you can know. It's a great investment. The return on that investment will be significant. And we're asking many of you to make the investment rooted. Not just for your sake, but for the sakes of those who will be in that rooted group with you. That is going to return for you and that you heard the testimony this morning. Many of you have heard other testimonies of people who have spoken what this experience has provided for them. No, it's not enough just to show up. You can't just show up and it happened. You actually have to engage. You have to be willing to really put in the work. But I'm telling you, it starts by signing up and saying, yes, it starts in two weeks. You have an opportunity to make that investment, and I know that you have an opportunity to get such a great return. You think about uh, what else? Pregnancy center. Y'all heard about this? Somebody visited our facility yesterday and looked at our leader and said, do you, have, do you have any idea what you have here? This is unbelievable. There is opportunity like you wouldn't believe. You know, maybe that's not it for you. I, I don't know how it is, but how can you care for the church? Let me tell you the best way I think every one of us can care for our church is this. To pray. Tonight, between 5 and 7 o'clock on Facebook and Twitter, we're going to put out prayer points. And one of the things I do every single morning as I begin to spend time with God, I put at the top of my journal, journal PF, that stands for prayer focus. I go and find the prayer focus on Twitter and Facebook, and I share it, and then I read it, and then I write in my journal how I'm praying for that. How powerful would it be if all 2,000 of us prayed for the same thing in the same direction according to the same word every single day? We're missing out on that power because many in this room are not praying together because you're not making that investment. Yeah, I, I can't say enough about global impact. Some of you heard me say a few weeks ago that we were significantly behind on the gift for Christ. Many of us prayed. I used our December 12th, our day of fasting and prayer, and fasted and asked God to provide. And I, I don't know if you heard or not, but you know our goal was three hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. We have received as of today over three hundred and seventy thousand dollars for global impact. So I just got a message forty minutes ago. One of the individuals that we sponsor, who speaks a language nobody in this room knows had the opportunity to share Christ yesterday because he didn't have to go to work. He, that became his work because we support him. He's led a number of students to Jesus Christ. They're still needy. They kept meeting. They don't want to leave. They want to study and understand God's Word. They're still going now. 
And that's happening because you gave financially. Because you went and you encouraged the work. And it's not just globally, it's locally. Locally, we, we have folks that are being cared for in our city. Hope House is a great out, uh, outreach to our church. Let me tell you something else. A lot of, it's, it's almost impossible for me to tell you all these things are going on. Half the time, I don't know half the stuff that's going on. It's so amazing. Let me tell you what I heard about happening here last night. We have a thing called Room at the End. We provide on Saturday nights the opportunity for, for homeless folks to come in and get warm and have a safe place to stay. Can I tell you last night? There's a pastor's son here. Gotten away from God. He spent the night in our church last night. To be my son. To be any of our children. He gets away from God. And I heard him. Do you know what I know about that young man last night? He was loved. And he was safe. And he was warm. Another one from California came to Bowling Green because he got a full academic scholarship at Western Kentucky University. He now lives on our streets in our city. We don't know the full story yet. He was loved last night. He was cared for last night. You want to know why? Because people served. Because people gave financially to make it possible. Because our God is that kind of God who calls us to make that kind of investment in His kingdom purpose. Friends, what are you investing in? What are you giving your money to? What are you giving your time to? What are you serving? Is it just you? There's so much more. And it's so wonderful and so glorious to be able to serve the kingdom of God and to know that God is pleased. I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing more important you want to hear at the end of your life than well done, good and faithful servants. And you want to hear from, from, from the demons of hell when you're leaving this earth, thank you. Goodness, that one's gone. That's what you want to hear. And that's the pleasure. You would sense God's delight in you when you do that. Second, those who invest in God's kingdom get God's sufficiency in return. I mean, look at what this is saying. All grace abounds to you. So having all sufficiency in all things, at all times you may abound in every good work. God has given us everything. And the goal and the, and the hope of it all is that, is that it will, there will be a righteousness. His righteousness endures forever. That we will be transformed and changed. We've got to trust God. Understand, giving your time, your money, your, your energy to serve, all it, it comes down to, are you going to trust God or are you going to trust you? Here's what some of you are saying. God, I can't give financially. I can't trust you that much. I gotta stay in control. God, I can't give that time. I can't trust you. I can't give that energy. I can't trust you. And I so want to be careful on this. And this is why I'm so hesitant so often to, 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 to preach this way because I, I don't want there to be this health and wealth junk that basically says, hey, you scratch God's back and you'll scratch yours. Please understand what I'm not saying this morning. It's kind of pictured in, in this picture I've seen before. And again, if you posted that, Someone said, I posted that, I feel guilty. No, it's not the point. But let me just tell you, this is not what Jesus is saying. Hey, give me your teddy bear and I'll give you a bigger one. Can I tell you something? God wants to do more than give you a bigger teddy bear. He wants to do more than give you a better car, a better house, a better title, a better whatever. God wants to give you a whole new life. 
took me a while to accept Christ. 30 years ago, I came to saving faith in Jesus Christ, and I would have come a whole lot sooner to Christ. But you know what? I didn't trust Him. I wanted to go to heaven, and I believed Jesus died so I'd go to heaven, but here's the deal. I didn't honestly believe that God had my best interest in mind. I honestly believed I was smarter than God. And that what He wanted for me was not nearly as good as what I wanted for me. So what I did was, I said, God, I'm willing to give you some of my heart, but not all of it. And that's just not how it works. And here's what some of you are doing. God, I'm going to give you some of my life, but not this part. Hey, I'll be baptized, but if you don't mind, I'm going to hold my checkbook or wallet up as I'm going under the water. I'm going to hold my watch up because I don't want to baptize the time. I just, I want to keep that for me. But there's a lady in our church, she serves in some of ministry. She, she gives this out to people. God can fix broken hearts, but he needs all the pieces. God has the power to make your life so special and significant for an eternal purpose. But you've got to give the whole thing to him. Not part, the whole thing. And understand, if you don't, what you're in essence saying is, God, I don't trust you. I'm smarter than you. I know best what to do with time, money, and energy. And you don't, so stop saying it. Trust him and understand this 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 God of ours, that, that he honestly, he has the sufficiency to, to bring about this great blessing. Third, those who invest in God's kingdom get God's provision in return. The argument that Paul's making here, look at verses 10 through 11. The argument he's making here is if God created all things and sustains all things, he can take care of you. I, uh, I know some of you struggle with science and faith, and, and there's been a lie that has permeated our culture that there is a distinction between science and faith. And that's a lie. Uh, this, this break, uh, Mike Newton gave me a book uh, by a scientist. His name is Hugh Ross, H-U-G-H-R-O-S-S, Hugh Ross. And it's his story, it's his biography. He was an atheist. And at the age of 18, he started reading religious books. And the one he found interesting was the Bible. So listen what he did. He's a scientist. He, he took the scientific method and applied it to the Bible. Guess what? He became a Christian. He was so compelled by the scientific data that he could not refute that he was compelled to give his life to Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's funny. He was in the middle of his Ph.D. work, so busy, he didn't know that there were churches near him. He didn't meet a Christian for two years until after he became a Christ follower. He was so compelled by the scientific data that he became a Christian. And what we see in this is that God is, is, is so powerful that He not only makes and sustains and holds all things together, He has time for you and me. And the same power that made and holds all these together is the same power that now has a providential plan for every single one of our lives. And here's what He's calling us to do. Trust Him and give. Jim Elliott says this. Don't forget this. He is no fool who gives what He cannot keep to gain what He cannot lose. That is true. The opposite is also true. He is a fool who gives up what he cannot lose to gain what he cannot keep. Are you being foolish? 
many of you are. Many of you are. Because you're not investing in the kingdom of God. Understand the privilege of it. Understand the power of God, of His provision, of what He can do. And then see one of the other last great returns. Those who invest in God's kingdom get God's people in return. Look at what, what he says here in verses 12 through 14. Look at the point he's making. He's saying, look, not only are God's people, the ones you kind of know about, not only are they going to give thanks to God, but people you don't even know, they're going to give thanks to God because they're going to be beneficiaries of what it is you've given and how it is you have served and what it is you have done for the kingdom of God. You know what I'm looking forward to as much as anything in heaven? is meeting some of the people who've gotten saved in this last year through our global impact ministry. I cannot wait to be in heaven and to have someone from Turkmenistan or Iran walk up to me and say, hey, heard you were the pastor of Living Hope in, in 2018. I'll say, yeah. He's going to say, I want to tell you, I was here in a place where I was in danger. I crossed the Mediterranean where I almost died. I came to a city where nobody wanted me. And somebody in my native language brought me into their home, fed me, clothed me, and told me about Jesus Christ. And I'm in heaven today because your church invested. How about a hug? I'm expecting to give a lot of hugs for 2018. Let me ask you something. Are you anticipating any hugs in heaven for what you gave or how you served? I can't wait to see some friends who, who I had the privilege to lead to Christ who have already gone to be with the Lord. I can't wait to hug them again. I can't wait to see some guys that, that, that are overseas. I know I'll never see them in this lifetime again, but I know I'll see them in heaven. I can't wait to hug them again. And friends, all that happens because of the willingness of the people of this congregation to give and to go and to serve. Why do we do it? Write it down. We invest because God has invested in us. Look at the last verse. So powerful. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Why do we give? Because God has given to us. We are a conduit of God's grace, power, and love. It comes through us in our financial gifts of giving our time and giving our energy and serving with His compassion and love. There's nothing like it. There's no greater investment that you can make in this world that provides that kind of return. What kind of return are you looking for? I want to tell you, you need to be looking for what God can give. And invest in that. Invest, friends, listen to me. Give financially this year. Tithe. First 10%. It's the best money you'll spend. And even beyond that, give to give for Christ, give to the pregnancy center. Spend less on other things so that you can give to God and give to Him first. Get rooted this year. You say, well, you know, I just don't know. I'm an introvert. Who cares? God made you that way. There's other introverts that need you. Get rooted. Get a part of it. Worship. You know, our, our church, I can't believe that this has happened. I never dreamed this would happen to us. 
Yeah, there's a time. There was a time when, when people understood that church was something you do every Sunday. I don't know who told our church this, but it's a lie. Coming to church once a month is not faithful. Now, I want you to understand something when you're not here, what you're telling me. Okay? What you're telling me, if you're able to be here, now I understand people get sick and we're probably going to go to the fist bump next week, no more shaking hands. Price going to fit, maybe elbow, I don't know, we'll talk about it. If you're sick, if you got to work, understand those things happen. But if you can be here and you choose not to be here, I want you to understand what you're telling me. This is not worth it. A little more sleep, a little bit more something else is, is far more important than this. What you're saying to the people that you're worshiping around today, if they don't see you, they're hearing you say, it's not worth it. You know what that does? It discourages me and discourages everyone else because... You don't have to say it. The lack of your person being here with no explanation says it. I don't care. This is better than God. And by the way, that's a lie. So you're, you're, you're perpetuating a lie and you're discouraging the church. Don't do it. Make the right investments. Now, how are you going to do it? You're not afraid about this. <laughs> You're going to have to get your calendars out. You're going to have to get your, you to get your checkbook out. You're going to have to budget. Budget your time. Budget your energy. Budget your, 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 your resources. But here's what I want to challenge you to do right now. Say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm committing to do it. And then come and just pray about it. A lot to process, I know. So I just want to give you a minute. We're going to sing. If you want to come and pray, come and pray. Let's stand together. Father, you are so good. And... The return that you're offering us is is beyond what we would give. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's an investment whose return is so much greater and superior to anything we could produce on our own. And so, Father, would you today give wisdom? Would you give discernment? Would you give faith? Would you allow us to believe? Lord, this is a glorious, glorious privilege to give to the best. God, help us now. Help us to believe you are worth it. You are worthy.